This podcast contains adult themes, strong language, and descriptions of physical violence. Hope you enjoy. This is Perfectly Murderous. Tantia Gordiati, Tantia Gordiati, Tantia Gordiati, Sandy. Tantia Gordiati, buon compleanno! Grazie, grazie di cuore. Quanto sei gentile. Perci un bravo ragazzo! <laughs> 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 I won't sing all of he's a jolly good fellow. <laughs> I literally feel like you and your colleagues are bringing an excessively sparkler laden birthday cake to my table across a crowded restaurant right now. Happy birthday to you, Sandy. Thank you for, for remembering. And what's a wonderful way to spend your birthday mm. to, <laughs> to relive the horrors <laughs> of Barry Morgan through the life of, well, the eyes of David Stone. Fantastic. Well, today you've you've teased me with the prospect of some violent fantasies. So that will make an interesting birthday treat well the violent fantasies are the the my birthday present to you unfortunately we do have to go through some of the most heartbreaking and emotional chapters of the book to reach them okay well as i ponder the inexorable passing of time and my slow slide towards the grave i will take solace from the poignant (laughs) musings of well not of your dad but of david stone well, Sandy, it may be your birthday, but it's time for my favourite thing, which is the recap, or as I like to call it, Sandy's test time. So, ah, <laughs> come on, chapters. The dog ate my homework, so <laughs> I can't. Chapters eight and nine, Sandy. I kind of got the feeling that um, you're going to start having nightmares where you sort of, <laughs> you you know that exam thing where you got you you got to go to an exam but you haven't read the text or whatever that might be and you go ah oh, i've got to have to do the podcast but i haven't read i can't remember what we talked about <laughs> years from now i'm going to be having stress dreams <laughs> i still have them about my a-level german exam but um doing the podcast well all right let me see what i can remember so in book one of the robert Steele detective trilogy our protagonist david stone is mourning the recent death of his wife anne in chapter eight while she lay sedated in hospital he asked himself where had it all gone wrong the letter it had just come from before the holiday from the ex-wife known as the witch she'd gone on holiday designed to give they'd gone on holiday designed to give anne rest and enjoyment but came back angrier the holiday was terrible there were futile visits to a pharmacy endless failed solutions albino leaves and obese old women in chapter nine the blame switches to himself but also focuses on the bloody letter there was a court summons and a threat of losing a house which panicked both of them but especially Anne. the bloody letter is a recurring motif everyone thought her her illness was gallstones possibly caused by rich fatty french cheese but later it was discovered that the stress had been the catalyst for her illness or something like that my memories are hazy yes that's right i'm taking notes now what an excellent response congratulations you've you've successfully achieved something that none of my teachers or university lecturers and let's be honest many of my employers have failed to do you've made me do some work i hope you're happy this is quite a monumental moment. This is amazing. 
It's a shift in gear. <laughs> I'm fed up of being humiliated for my fading memory. Did I miss anything? I, uh, well, normally about now I, I add in all the extra details, but um, I don't think I've got anything else to add. <laughs> in your face. <laughs> I win. (laughs) Oh, excellent. (laughs) Well, Sandy, we're going to have a bit of a change in mood (laughs) now. Uh, We've got (laughs) chapter 10. Yay. (laughs) Enjoy the last embers of the dying fire of laughter. (laughs) Indeed. Now we mourn. Right. Right, Sandy. So um, take it away. Try your best to make this one funny. Here we go. (laughs) Chapter 10 of Getting Away With Murder. Endless dreams swirled around in his head, images that made no sense, pictures that just fueled his anger and frustration at Anne's treatment. That word triggered his thoughts into finally making some sense. Treatment. He remembered that day at the hospital. Treatment. The images were faint, but the word gave his brain something to focus on. Eventually he could see her in the car and the images came back into focus and meaning. Treatment. She was so pleased to be getting something done, to be seen. But she was so weak that day. She had been sick on the way to the hospital, in the car park, and again in the reception. God, he would be so pleased to get that scan done, locate that bloody stone, and get her in for the operation ASAP. Life would go back to normal, and they could be happy again. To see her smile after months of pain would be such a relief. He desperately wanted that happiness back in both their lives. Was that a selfish reaction? Something to bring peace back into my own life? Perhaps it was. I wanted an end to your illness, to get back to normality. I desperately wanted you better, our relationship back again. We were a team and I wanted you back, wanted you well, but there were more delays. It's quite interesting that, uh, was that a selfish reaction? Because mm. I think that people quite often feel like that when you when you have a loved one who's ill or terminally ill or passes away and there's a bit of a prolonged illness. Yeah. Kind of a little bit of you does have that selfish thought of, God, I just want this to be over or, you know, yes. normality to come back. And sort of wondering like, what even is the selfish thought at this point? You know, is it selfish to wish for it all to be over or is it actually selfish to try and to wish for it to last longer so you have more time with them or, you know, the whole thing becomes very complicated mm. jumble of, of different emotions and things. There's there's a sort of sadness coming in that I don't think we've seen before. Mm. It's, all been, it's all been hot. It's all been anger up until now. It's quite an honest thing to say, isn't it? Because I think people do have that mm. that thought and you think, oh God, I just, I, I can't cope with this. I need some kind of respite or re- some kind of return to normality, whatever that might be. Any time where, you know, you, you're going through something difficult and for whatever reason, the person that you'd normally go to for comfort isn't available to you mm. is a very unsettling experience isn't it like you think well that line you know we're a team or we were a team that's a real sort of sense of losing a limb yeah we get different things from different people don't we and you certainly have that person you go to when you have problems or when you need comfort or whatever that might be and if that's the person you can't mm. actually talk to about it it could be a very lonely experience i imagine yeah The hospital that performed the scan had somehow lost the results. And when they turned up again six weeks later, it was along with a letter asking them to see a consultant at a hospital 35 miles away in two weeks' time. Christ, what a cock-up. What a bloody mess. No organisation. More darkness. Dark twisting shapes as his brain reacted to the anger he felt, even when he was unconscious. The world seemed to be boiling inside his head, his anger obliterating any hope of clear image. 
of the sequences that followed, but he could remember his frustration at that letter. He remembered his anger and frustration when he phoned the hospital. Why couldn't he get an appointment at the two nearer hospitals, he'd asked. Sorry, but the consultant doesn't work at those hospitals, was the bland reply. You mean you just have one consultant working between three hospitals? That is correct. You have an appointment booked. Please keep to the prescribed time as stated in the letter. Staring at the phone when the line went dead, he slammed it back into the cradle. What had happened to putting the patient first? Putting some effort into treatment? Just not cost effective, was it? Money speaks louder than people. But she was so precious. You wouldn't see that? She was important. Put her at the top of your list. Treat her. Make her better. Please, won't someone help? Weeks later, when the time to attend the appointment came, he slowly drove her to the hospital, taking great care not to her to join the needless journey. It was a journey they both knew well. They were driving along a beautiful coast road they loved so much to get to the hospital. Their previous journeys had always been full of observations, just little things that made life together a pleasure, no matter what time of year it was. The blossom, the weather, the fruit trees heavy with cherries, apples or pears, or the year's new lambs. How green everything looked, how hot it was. The deep blue sky freckled with tiny clouds that had dared to stray into massive azure backdrop. Everything was enjoyed, everything. They were very much at ease with each other. Life was a pleasure then, to be savoured at length, but not that day. This time the journey was completed in complete silence. It was so grey, the heavy laden skies echoing their mood, both of them in deep thought, impervious to the drizzle that spoilt the journey they just enjoyed so often before. They both sat silent in their own worlds, pondering the future or the possible lack of it. Now it just seemed inappropriate to admire the scenery to make any small talk or meaningless comment under the current circumstances. Silence was overpowering and it almost hurt to think in that atmosphere. In the silence he could almost hear their brains working, working on what, whether there would be a future, whether this was just a condition that could be cured, something they could deal with, or something more serious. It didn't matter now, just get there, find out and deal with it then. No noise except for the soft swish of the tyres on the wet road outside and the wipers that sounded so incredibly loud as they slapped back and forth, the sound amplified by the complete absence of any other noise in the car. The heavy rain streamed off the windscreen, unable to get a grip as the wipers swept the droplets aside with every stroke. He remembered every detail of that day. It would remain etched into his brain forever. But for now, the darkness swept over him once more and he slept the drug-induced sleep of the dead. And that's your chapter 10, Sandy. There's a couple of things that jump out to me in there. Going back a little yeah. bit, he talks about is the world seemed to be boiling inside his head. And it could have just made me feel that he's had this head injury. And, mm. you know, how much that's affected his thoughts and his anger. And as far as I'm aware, my dad never had a head injury. And this is, this is just a, a literary device. An invention, yeah. Someone going into an induced coma after a head injury and waking up almost a different person. Yes. And we still don't have a lot of information about mm. what happened with that head injury. There have been a lot of oblique references to him going out of the hospital on the night that his wife's died mm. and now he has a head injury. It's easy often to be honest to forget, I suppose especially when you, you hear one or two chapters a week, but to forget that the guy you know, is still in a hospital. Mm. This is all still taking place in, in that world in the present tense because so much of it obviously is, is looking back is reminiscing, is, is you know remembering events flashing back before that but we've seen 
we've seen the present and the distant past. We haven't seen the very recent past. The other thing that jumped out into me as well was that I was trying to think how real this chapter was. And the thing that the sentence that caught my attention was it was so grey, the heavy laden skies echoing their mood. And I was thinking if you were using that as a literary mm. device that quite often, you know, you have a stormy, angry scene to reflect the mood of the characters or. Yeah. But in this instance, he's saying it was so grey that it's echoing their mood. It, if you were using that as a device, you might not necessarily say that. But if it's something that's actually happened and remembered, mm. then you might mention that perhaps. What? Well, I was going to say what time of year did she pass away? But then I remember this is all taking place in England. So you could have stormy grey skies literally all the time. It was around the end of the year. So I'm thinking November, December time. It definitely would make sense. So yeah, very dark and grey and, you know, those getting dark at perhaps 4 or 5 p.m. All right. Are you ready for the excitement of chapter 11? Second, <laughs> it's been an abrupt change of gear here. <laughs> this is your birthday treat. If the first word isn't like splat or kapow, <laughs> I'm going to be very, very underwhelmed. <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> I think what I want is a Batman comic, apparently. <laughs> we'll get to that, Sandy. <laughs> Right, chapter 11. Okay. Hours later, his brain started to function once more, the drugs losing their potency. The images becoming focused, the memories falling into place, the subconscious working overtime once more, trying to concentrate, pictures in his brain coming and going. The journey, the rain, that hospital, getting lost. He didn't really know the town, couldn't find the right entrance of the hospital. Getting confused, another silly disagreement in the car, the constant sniping between them now, tiredness draining both of them of any sense of pleasure or togetherness, two sad, tired people alone with their thoughts, the search for enough change for the exorbitant car park charges, his whining complaint prompting yet more disagreement. She was obviously in pain that day and seemed intent on taking it out on him. He was trying to do his best, but it never seemed to be enough these days. So sad that relations between them had deteriorated this much that they argued over the simplest and most stupid of things. It's, a, it's quite sad to think that that might be mm. you know, the last sort of days or, yeah. or weeks or whatever that might be, that somebody's in such pain and it's such an emotional situation that everything's heightened and complaints about car parking fees lead to arguments, whereas normally it would just be laughed off or yeah a terrible contrast to this idea this idea of we were a team mm. now we're too tired to be a team everything is just division and mm. exhaustion and bitterness and even though she's still alive at this point in in this memory it's very much that yeah they're, they're not the team that they once were more images swirled around in his brain the hospital again how they eventually negotiated the hostile and helpful receptionist and were pointed in the direction of one of the numerous waiting rooms just sit down and wait waiting, always bloody waiting, waiting for the help that seemed to be so sadly lacking. God, this was a horrible, foul environment, so unpleasant. But hospital wasn't meant to be enjoyed, was it? And they made sure of that. So unwelcoming, all of them. Don't get in the way. Everyone made you feel uncomfortable, made you want to get away, escape as fast as you can. Don't outstay your welcome. Don't impede the machine. These rows of tired red plastic chairs, that weird hospital smell, the noise, Block it all out, can't cope with this. The hospital, the waiting, so much time lost just waiting. There was one image he remembered, that they sat holding hands, not saying anything, just staring at the walls, waiting for a name to be called. He couldn't look at her because he realised his fear would show. Fear of the unknown, fear that this might be serious. Look at anything but her face, look at the walls. But every wall was covered in self-congratulating posters featuring various department staff teams. 
There were dozens of framed, glossy posters. Then there were the information boards shouting out how many MRS-free days they'd managed. After the unpleasant entry into the hospital's bowels, he just grew more and more annoyed and frustrated at the system that seemed to spend more effort telling you how good it was instead of actually practising it. Who organised this rubbish? What a waste of money on such trivia. What an ego trip. Just treat the patients, it's your job. Why do you need a pat on the back? It's what you're paid to do. Looking away from the walls, he observed the conveyor belt of sad, sick people filling the waiting room, many accompanied by bored relatives who'd just been seconded into playing taxi, all waiting for the news that they were a hopeless case, or if the staff tried just a little, there might be something they could do for you. He hated them all. They weren't part of his world. Get out of my way. Don't waste my time. Growing frustrated, he recalled how he sat there fuming, watching the lack of interaction between the staff and the desperate patients. He knew what they really had to do. Just beg a little. You, grovel, you pathetic idiot. Say the magic word. Beg a bit louder. and They might just put a bit of effort into your treatment. Then there was the endless stream of snotty children running amok. Noise, confusion, no organisation anywhere. The harsh glaring lights. Staff constantly running back and forth with clipboards. What the hell were they all doing? I'm over here. Pay attention. I need someone to look after my wife. Anger. Frustration as his memory tried to cope with his confused feelings. A child ran into his seat, scowling at it. He was very tempted to kick the uncontrolled monster who bred these animals. Looking around, he soon met the gaze of a tattooed woman with a face full of studs scowling back at him. He stared back. She was very pretty, but was she? But what? But just what? You're getting excited by the pretty stranger in the hospital. I am. <laughs> She's flustered you, hasn't she? She, has. she really was pretty. <laughs> 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 she was very pretty but what had made her deform herself jesus listen to me i'm turning into victor meldrew the child kicked his chair again get a grip man don't punch it i enjoyed that bit just uh, the thought of him sitting there trying to restrain himself to not punch a child <laughs> nah we've all been there <laughs> sometimes you manage it sometimes you don't so i just stopped teaching he's um he's really not being well served by the health system is he mm. it's hard not to read it on a kind of political level a lot of references to funding and how they don't seem to have resources but there's also real anger at this idea that they're spending more time and energy telling you how well they're doing than actually getting on and doing it mm. and the gouging price charges in the car park and that kind of real frustration that just nothing's happening, I suppose. You're waiting yeah. weeks and weeks. And I've also been in waiting rooms where everyone does seem really busy and you, you kind of sat there and you might be sat there for an hour or something like that, waiting, waiting. Obviously, everyone's very busy doing their job and running around, you know, dealing with different patients. But somebody just sitting there waiting, be like, why? Why aren't you paying attention to me? Why haven't you got to me? What, what are you actually doing? I can imagine the mm. frustration in that situation for sure. Oh, absolutely. Oh, man, it's some. Um... You really feel for him. It's uh, we talked about the the empathy you have for the character, and you really do feel it, even though you don't necessarily agree with his thoughts. You know exactly where he's coming from, mm. and definitely understand his frustration and anger. Yeah, right. Here we go, Sandy. Sitting in silence, he knew that Anne could sense his mood. See him brooding, getting ready to burst, lash out at someone in his frustration. Anyone, in fact. But she said nothing. She let him fester, and he was soon deep in thought again, hating the system loathing everyone around him, the feeling of contempt for everyone rising, his thoughts filled with hate. He just sat in silence and brooded. I wish I had a cattle prod to fend them off. Hmm. A gun. No. Not enough. Something better. A small nuclear bomb to be hurled into the mass that would finish them all off. 
<laughs> that escalated very fast. <laughs> it did. From, from cattle prod to gun to nuclear bomb. <laughs> wow. I like the thought of the, the gun wouldn't quite cut it. <laughs> getting away with murder suddenly turned into getting away with apocalypse. <laughs> And it's a, it's interesting that he's so angry about everything that his his anger's not just the health system now it's it's other patients who are sitting there in exactly the same predicament that he is. I mean, in a way, I feel like if you're gonna go on a rampage, a cattle prod would be more satisfying. Because <laughs> there's a small nuclear bomb, one red button, and it's all done. Whereas a cattle prod, you could really it would be good fun, wouldn't it? Mm. But this is definitely escalating. Mm. A small nuclear bomb to be hurled into the mass that would finish them all off. All of them. Give me some peace. Get Ansine sooner. His mood blackened. <laughs> oh, sorry. I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt. But I do have to question the logic of whether detonating a small atomic device would, in fact, get Ansine sooner. I think it might cause delays <laughs> in an already overstretched healthcare system. I like the thought that he's he thought of a cattle prod, a gun, and now he's considering a bomb. And then his mood blackened. <laughs> yes. So, as as you, your dad, his face painted thickly with clown makeup, dressed in a nurse's uniform, walks away from the exploding hospital, <laughs> what happens now? <laughs> I'm so glad that reference finally landed. I was, I was really worried halfway through that that was going to sound incredibly bizarre we digress i say we i digress his mood blackened his inner being thinking evil thoughts Anne always said he had a dark monster buried deep inside something inhuman something that cared nothing for things that got in its way and it was working overtime today dark waves of hatred rolled over him the waiting room the children he was angry again he remembered his dark side had already come up with a solution a bomb that's the answer. Perfect. Mm. There's that word. Perfect. <laughs> it's a, the perfect bomb. The perfect solution. Just to, yeah, leave a bomb. And like you said, get Anne seen sooner by uh, detonating it. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. Just clear out just a very precise nuclear bomb. <laughs> just enough to take out the queue, essentially, but not far enough mm. to get to the to the doctor's room. I could imagine the nurse popping her head round and just going, oh, has everyone gone? Oh, they they all just left. It's, it's just us now. <laughs> Is there a funny smell in here? No, no. <laughs> he could imagine placing it, taking shelter behind the receptionist's desk, and he smiled inwardly at the thought of the huge blast. He could even see the massive explosion in his imagination, the flames of the fireball, those beautiful, intense colours, the deep reds and yellows, then the large pressure wave as the noise caught up with the pyrotechnics. Boom! There it is. I would have liked it at the start of the chapter, but it was <laughs> worth the wait. <laughs> There's your kapow. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Holy vaporized waiting room, Batman. <laughs> I'm just realising that two of my bizarre little flights of fancy have gone to Batman places, but quite different Batman places, because I don't really connect the cheesy 1960s cartoon series with the the Dark Knight movie. No. But it might make me sound a little bit like a Batman obsessive. 
Everyone stop saying Batman. Stop talking. <laughs> Ryan, can we just can we focus on the book, please? <laughs> yes, Adam West is quite different from her. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The explosion, the massive ear-splitting noise, the thud of the shockwave as it threw everyone against the walls, except Anne and he. We were safe. Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, exactly. We're safe. <laughs> it's convenient because because they're behind a reception desk, right? Was... Yeah, they they just duck down and just sort of peek up. <laughs> it's a it's a reinforced Kevlar reception desk. <laughs> That's why the car park has to be so expensive because <laughs> nuclear resilient reception desks don't grow on trees. David Stone's come back with another complaint. <laughs> the thud of the shockwave as it threw everyone against the walls. Except Anne and he, we were safe. Oh, the wonderful carnage. The heat. The melting chairs. Bodies everywhere. All blown to pieces. Just laughing at the dead. The worthless dead who stopped Anne getting seen. I would just step over their severed limbs. Ignore the stunned nurses. Front of the queue now. I would get my turn so much quicker now. Wow. Perfect solution. <laughs> Again, the phrase "perfect solution" is interesting because I, I think we we talked about earlier on in a previous episode about revenge or, or murder fantasies, and I, I I would say that I've never had a murder fantasy, but I've definitely had that thing, you know, where you you relive an argument yeah. and you think of the perfect comeback of what you might have said. Yes, yes. Or I, I've definitely sort of imagined perhaps. Maybe not murdering someone, but I've definitely thought about, you know, kicking someone in the shins and running away. Um, <laughs> but uh... you've been you've been in New Zealand for a long time. I see their their polite, <laughs> civilized dispute resolution techniques have rubbed off on you. <laughs> so you don't daydream about destroying a hospital. Not, I, you know, I do. What I'm trying to say is, I do perhaps think about revenge and ruminate on things. To a certain extent, but I can't say I've ever fantasised about a bomb no. blowing a place up and all the people inside. No, that's quite worrying. But these are, of course, the thoughts of David Stone. Yes. <laughs> no one else. Talking about how real chapters are, this one, my legal team have advised me to say that this one is fictional. <laughs> good, good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting in his own little cruel world of resentment and hatred at these morons cluttering up the system, he didn't realise he was probably viewed by the others in the waiting room with the same level of resentment. Who was this old fogey wasting our time? You don't have too long to go. Piss off and let us have our turn. We're young, you're old, on the way out. Why are you here? Can't you see you haven't got a hope? Can't you see you're just the walking dead, just taking up space until you die? You're dead and you don't even know it. Wait. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but there's a lot of confusion about what stage of death they're at at this point. You're the you're the walking dead, but you're taking up space until you die, so you're not that dead, and but you are dead, and you don't know that you're dead. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? When he suddenly realised that other people in the waiting room are having thoughts and probably thinking that he's just some old tosser about to die. Well summarised. Mm. I don't know where the word tosser came from. That's just a... <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> that thought hurt and his mind reeled at the thought that others must have seen what he couldn't. The walking dead, a hopeless case. 
He couldn't cope with the thought and slipped back into the safety of unconsciousness. Sleep. Deep, deep sleep. And then blackness. Anything to avoid the truth. I think that last line is quite interesting. Anything to avoid the truth. Mm -hmm. What is the truth that he's running away from? Is it just that about Anne's death or is it another truth? I feel like you're teasing me with this because if you hadn't said anything, I would have assumed that we were just talking about Anne's death. But now I feel like there is something significant in the in the what happened last night. Who knows? Did he turn into a werewolf? <laughs> yeah, it's um, an interesting chapter, that one. The, the violent fantasy coming out. And we're starting to see that anger progressing into actual violent thoughts. What are your thoughts on that last chapter, Sandy? It was quite the shift in tone (laughs) explosive fury easier to laugh at yes definitely unfortunately i think we do keep going with these sort of quite heartbreaking memories for a a couple more chapters but we do start to regain consciousness at some point and we do escape the hospital and we start to head towards the anger which is yeah a, a lot easier to digest than the than the heartbreaking mm. grief of uh, losing somebody that we know is based in reality. Well, can't wait for the next chapters. So, Sandy, just taking us away from the pyrotechnics, have you got a happy story to shift away with today? Well, I had a lovely, a lovely birthday breakfast this morning, prepared for me by my lovely girlfriend, Alice, uh, who now lives... I was going to say, I was really hoping you weren't going to mention that, because if you hadn't, I would have said, oh, is it not the... Not the, the amazing breakfast that you got prepared. But, uh... It's getting harder and harder to count the number of steps I am ahead of you this morning. <laughs> I've, I've consistently anticipated your traps. I know, I know. I feel very smug. It is the wisdom that comes from very advanced age. <laughs> you know me too well. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that was that was lovely. And yeah, we've ne- we're now two cat household. The little, the little tiny ball of fluff that is the kitten Pan has arrived to uh, <laughs> to rock the foundations of Aisha's world, but she's actually coping quite well. They're sort of getting on. There's a little bit of hissing and some swiping, uh, but mostly they are incredibly entertaining. That's really cool, especially when the little kitten creeps up on her when she's trying to sleep, <laughs> <laughs> and she overreacts. In an absolutely epic way. <laughs> How about you? Oh, well, the, the highlight... Well, a funny thing that happened to me this week is it, it was actually Laura's birthday this week as well. So I made her a cake. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I made her a cake. Sorry, that was guilt. No, yes. Yeah, Happy birthday, Laura. You can, you can text her after this. <laughs> so I went to the supermarket and get ingredients to make a cake. And I, I went down... I was going to make a, a buttery biscuit base and uh i like the base oh all about the base and um i went down the aisle and we don't normally buy biscuits so finn was very excited about the biscuits he was going biscuits 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 and um, (laughs) then like some tiny toddler father jack (laughs) (laughs) yes and he was trapped in the trolley going biscuits 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 (laughs) and i know he was just playing around and messing because he likes to be cheeky he wasn't a genuine desperation for biscuits. He was just sort of messing around. But I quite like it when mm. other people come along and feel the need to parent for you. <laughs> there's um, 
this doddery old lady came along and said, oh, I don't think you'll get a biscuit like that. To which point he went, biscuits! <laughs> and she, so she said, I, I th- at this point, I thought I'd just let, you know, see how it played out. So he shouted biscuits back at her. And uh, <laughs> she said, oh, I think you need to say please. Can you say please? And he just shouted biscuits at her again, <laughs> right in her face. <laughs> At which point, eventually, this lady realised that she wasn't going to win this battle (laughs) and uh, just sort of backed away. But I really enjoyed it um, because I do find that some people say, like, treat children very patronisingly sometimes, you know, say please. Mm. And and I can tell that it makes him feel uncomfortable. So he didn't want to say please because she put him in this position. So just to shout biscuits. Yeah, sort of embarrassed him for not saying it. Yeah. Now you just. You can't. So I did enjoy his reaction. Oh. He didn't bow down to it and just continued to shout biscuits, which was brilliant. All right, Sandy. Well, well, what an enjoyable way to start your birthday. Oh, it's been it's been marvelous, marvelous. Um, I look forward to next week. Excellent. Not quite so much fun revenge fantasy, more just back to the harrowing sadness. Oh, well, <laughs> you could have left me. Left me with a week of hoping for more bombs. But <laughs> fine. Okay. Sadness it is. Lovely to hear from you. Yeah. All right, buddy. We'll go enjoy your birthday. Catch you later, man. Will do. Bye-bye. Bye. She was so pleased to be getting something done to be seen, but she was so weak that day. I think I've lost you, Sandy. Are you still there? Sorry, sorry. I've. Um, I think my internet. And that is the end of chapter ten. What are, you, <laughs> what are your thoughts, Sandy? <laughs> I don't remember it with quite as much detail as I do chapter eight and chapter nine.